Hey everyone, welcome to The Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Thorpe, and this week we have my friend and awesomely talented art director, designer, Toros Kosa on the show with us. I've known Toros for quite some time now. We both work in the same part of the industry and have even worked on a project together recently, which was the latest Nike spot for Arlson Hughes company acronym, and Nike as they released their latest collab on the Vapormax shoe series. In this episode, Taurus and I discuss his original path in life and how it wasn't really focused on the idea of being an artist or a creative person. We talk about his goal-driven focus in life and how that has led him to follow his path, which led him to his successful career that he has today. We also discuss our immense love for photography and how much photography has enriched both of our minds and creative output. Toros is a testament that hard work and continual focus pays off in the long run. This episode will speak to especially to those of you who are starting out or in the middle of your career path and needing some guidance. So let's begin, everyone. Episode 180 with Toros Kosa. Let's roll. Okay, well, it's uh, it's been a while. I think we've talked about doing a, a podcast together for for a bit now, and you've been busy traveling um, and uh, experiencing the world, which is awesome, and photoing it and experiencing it as a designer, which I think is awesome. Um, we first met out in Amsterdam, I believe, in person at uh, FITC Amsterdam, which was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and we've got a chance to work on some projects since then, or at least one project, I think. I can't remember. It yeah, all blurs together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, dude, it's it's um, it's rad to have you on the show, and super excited to talk about get to know you more about like where you come from and what you've been up to and in, in your journey so far. And I'm sure you have a lot to share and things to talk about and stuff. And yeah, so I'm super excited. So thanks for being on the show. Well, um, huge thanks for having me. It's uh, it's you know, a huge honor to say the least, considering, um, considering you and, you know, considering all the other people that have been on this, uh, on this podcast, it's, it's just an amazing, like roster of people. You've made it, baby. Um, it's how you know it. you've made the <laughs> roster. No, <laughs> yeah. Drop yes. the mic. No, yeah. Yeah. no, I t- definitely, man. And obviously your work speaks for itself. So, but yeah, thanks for, thanks for that compliment. No, man, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just cool. Like I know that we've been establishing and building a friendship, which is a lot of fun too. You know, it's like, it's, it's one thing to, you know, be fans of one another's work and, and all that stuff, but it's like another to get to understand the person and, and what drives that person and to, you know, just get more involved and just kind of seeing what motivates the person and stuff. So that's always Definitely. to me, it's to me, it's always like a fun, fun part of the journey, you know? So. Absolutely. Yeah. You, uh, I mean, you like, you know, a lot of people very on a very surface level through their work and, you know, through the, through their biographies or maybe you've chatted with them a little bit on, on social media or something, but, um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is, uh, another whole other thing and, you know, it's much closer to having a, uh, a one-on-one, obviously a one-on-one conversation with someone and get to know them. Yeah, absolutely. The one thing that I, that really appeals to me, appeals to me with your work is your ability to do multiple different spectrums of things. And that's something we're going to probably talk a lot about this is the future and how I look at people like yourself as being the future because of what you're able to do and how you're able to manage it and stuff. And I know there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are more or less like, you know, in the trenches and they're slowly building and wanting to, you know, 
get to get to certain levels and stuff. And we'll talk a little bit about your love of like say photography, but at the same time being able to understand how to take that photography to the next level and also shooting film and all those kind of things. And then obviously your ability to design and uh, your sense, your sensibilities that come from your design is, which is really cool too. So, and then um, we should definitely talk about some of those big touchstone projects that you've been able to work on and, and other things too. Cause I mean, it's really, it's really quite endless really with this stuff. So, and it's so nebulous, right. To be creative and to do these things, do it, do it for a living, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it's, it's kind of, every time I think about it, it is kind of insane that we're, we get to do this for a living because it's like it's playing a lot of time. It's just playing for a living. Yeah. And, and enjoying like kind of being creative, but there's always a, a, a two sides to, to everything, you know? So there's a, there's a, a, a negative side to it obviously as well. And, and, yeah. and learning curves and all that kind of stuff too. But, um, but I guess if we want to, I think it'd probably be really, really good to kind of get a, a, a basic grasp of where you come from and, and why you chose to do art for a living and, kind of what has motivated you through the years to, to be who you are today? Yeah, I, uh, um, I'm, uh, well, basically I'm born and raised in Stockholm, Sweden. And, uh, I kind of, for a long time, this, like what I'm doing now was not part of the plan at all. Cause I didn't really have a plan. I'm kind of those, um, people who, you know, went through high school and all that without a real plan, some sort of like, I wanted to, I knew I wanted to become, you know, successful and all that, obviously, but, uh, or somewhat, um, successful and not like, you know, die in a dead end job or something like that. Um, but I feel like I've I've heard this kind of background story in other people also that they like, they didn't really know what they wanted to do until like one day they kind of found like, Oh shit, you can, you can study this and you can actually do this for a living. Mm. The thing that you, you, you see on, you know, television, like all the time. Um, and that's, yeah, that's kind of what happened to me in, um, in like my early college years or my like early twenties. Um, I was just like at the university kind of studying different or different courses, you know, kind of random stuff from English to, uh, uh, a little bit of math and, um, yeah. And ended up studying like this very broad, like, um, uh, media slash technology program, which had like everything from graphic design all the way to like straight up programming. Um, but back in high school and like through those early college years, I had, I had developed a bit of like interest in Photoshop and playing around in Photoshop and also like, um, in video editing software. Um, so being in that kind of, um, loose tech design related environment in college, um, I kept going, doing, playing around more with, um, video editing software and ended up, um, finding After Effects. Hmm. <laughs> um, gateway yeah. drug. That was the gateway drug, definitely. <laughs> um, early, very early grayscale guerrilla tutorials, uh, learning yes. After Effects that way Shiny and Video Globes. Copilot. Yes. <laughs> well, it was even before the Shiner Gloves. It was like when uh, Nick Campbell was playing with like um, just basic masks in After Effects. Oh, it was, it was the After Effects, Nick Campbell. Yeah, it's OG yeah. stuff, yeah. OG. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, and then, and then obviously, you know, as I'm sure like so many people have done it the way I did, as in like mm-hmm. finding his old tutorials and as 
as he was learning cinema, you also kind of uh, start learning cinema as you follow his journey. Um, so, you know, on that, on that way, After Effects Cinema, and then basically, uh, you know, more or less teaching yourself these softwares and, and just playing around with them and then realizing like, oh, you can, you can kind of uh, work with this and, you know, maybe find an internship or something like that. Hmm. Now, by following, so like you're kind of a school, like you're, you're similar to me and probably most people listening to this is you're a student of the internet basically, right? I mean, mostly, definitely. Yeah. Um, you did, you went I to did. college though, right? Yeah. After that, um, kind of broad course, I, I did find a school, uh, called Hyper Island in Sweden and they have, um, they had, they do have a dedicated motion graphics program of, of when I was there, it was one year. Um, and Hyper Island is like, um, they call themselves a vocational school. So it's like very kind of, um, hands-on do it yourself kind of learning the crafts, uh, while also kind of learning teamwork and, and that whole aspect, but in an environment that's not like a regular school at all, really, it's more of like, uh, I think they call it, they call it, um, like a place for learning or like an environment for learning, which is, uh, definitely appropriate. Um, cause it's like you go to this place with, um, other people that want to learn motion graphics and you work on projects with them. Um, mm. basically, basically the class is like giving briefs and then you split up in different teams and then you kind of take on this brief, which is kind of close to a, a real life. Sounds real um, life. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, and then you try to uh, deliver a product basically. And you know, it's obviously sh should be motion graphics related. So yeah. Sounds, the pretty the, awesome, the, Sounds like a cool school. Definitely. I mean, it definitely was for me. It's, it's very much what you make of it. Um, because everything is up to you. You can go there and like completely waste your time. <laughs> sure. Well, that's uh, like life in uh, general, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you, see, did yeah, you that, see people that would do that? Cause I've, so, I've seen that too. It's like, wow, you have all the answers like on a silver platter here, but you're not willing to see it or take the time to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's it, like, it depends on a lot of different things. Like there are, there were people that were like 19, 18, 19, all the way up to like, there was, there was a guy who was like 40 years old. So I think kind of directions in life and, uh, motivating factors and like, um, driving factors and all that. It's, you know, it's all varies between each individual in the class. So, um, you know, some people there were super driven and have amazing careers now and do like amazing work these days and other other it was for other people it was kind of like a maybe a gateway to uh studying something else or another you know direction in life yeah maybe realizing that they didn't want to do this for instance did you figure out what you think that that missing ingredient is because that's something i think about all the time it's like why why do some people succeed when others fail you know it's like why does that happen you know uh yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I mean, the, people who succeed somewhat probably have some sort of focus or some sort of like more or less defined goal in mind. Um, when I went to Hyper Island, I did, I did have a goal. I kind of knew what it was and I did have a goal of taking that course and like, and then start working basically. Cause I had been, studying at college level for 
several years and I was like, I was feeling done with it. And I felt like this was the last step to working. Um, so I, I, I really went in there in there with like the intention of, you know, trying to give it my all for a year and then finding an internship and have that be my gateway into the, the industry. Um, so I think like it, I guess like anything else in life, if you, if you have some sort of defined goal, um, and kind of take the responsibility, I guess, that, that is kind of that you have to and not just expect the school to deliver, you know, a job for you, basically. Yeah, I think those are the two ingredients, I think, ha- having the vision and the goal and then taking responsibility for your actions to fulfill those that destiny, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's I think those are the, the ones that that really that's what motivated me. I think it's what motivated you. I think that's what motivated all the people that are successful that we've seen are people that we look up to and not only in this little very small industry, but the bigger whole as a humanity, as, as a species, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, people like people like say like Elon Musk, for example, cause he's such the poster boy for this kind of stuff. I think, um, just, right. you know, having the goal, the big goal and the lofty goal and then the daily ritual of, of constant responsibility and effort to, to manifest that goal balance those two things but yeah that's that's awesome that's cool i've i've had a couple people email me about like whether it's a weird question that i get asked often about like should i go to college or not and all this stuff and um, i'm so on the fence with it because i didn't really go i went to college but i learned so much more i think when i decided to focus on my life even heavier and and then i just learned everything online so Mm -hmm. it's really hard for me to but people kept asking me about this college that you went to so it's good that you know it. I'll just send them to you then. <laughs> well, Toros did so. Ask him because he knows. And it sounds like it's it's like a it sounds like a very smart school to do it like that because I think that's really how you learn, which is being thrown right in the pressure cooker. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the smart thing they do is like they try to emulate the industry as much as they can. So they basically really prepare you for for you know, your future job basically. And in a very different way that, um, a classic college is, I think when people ask you the question, should I go to college? They probably often or mostly, um, talk about, you know, a classic college of like a three years or four year program. Yeah. I wouldn't um, say to do that. Honestly, I don't know. That could be wrong. You could meet the most amazing people and your teachers could be amazing. But yeah, uh, if you don't have I mean, the money and you don't feel like, I don't know. If you're asking yourself, then you should ask yourself probably like, what do I want to do? You know, even more beyond the college thing, because people get lost in that trap of like full time lifetime students, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I've been going back and forth on that, it's it's I think if you go to college or if you're thinking about going to college, I think it's a good idea to be as aware as possible of your options, of the options that are not college. Yeah. Um, Like learning yourself online or, you know, other school type like you know your um learn squared or other similar motion graphics online courses yeah um it's a lot of those now there's a lot of uh, really great resources out there now and for the cost it's like crazy you just can't even we i mean i didn't have that coming up we had nick campbell which is awesome but Mm -hmm. he was learning just along the he was learning with us you know almost you know so as he was going so and he was like a person i think that was out there like willing to learn and fail along the way at the earlier stage. And like, you know, you got to praise him because he was willing to like put himself through all that, you know, (laughs) 
just <laughs> the bullshit of putting yourself out there, you know. So I mean, it's it was so generous of him and people like him to yes. share his learnings too. Like he didn't have to do that at all. Yeah, no, um, well, and like there's so cool. no point. Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, it was a total choice, I think, which is really cool. Yeah, but. and a smart choice too, because now he has this huge business. Yeah, and he seems to be very happy. Like when I talk to him, like on a one-on-one level, he seems very like content and happy with his life and his direction. And I think he, like, we talked about it, and he was like, you know, he looks at people like us. I think is more like he looks at us as as artists, you know, and his mm-hmm. in his purpose, he feels, I think. I don't know if I'm stepping on his toes, but is to empower other artists, you know? Um, And he's more of like an empower, empowering person, which is really cool. And it's cool that he found his own niche because it just goes to show that everybody, if you really search for it and you work at it daily, that you will find your niche. You know, it's like if everybody was doing the same work as you or if there was was just, it would be weird, you know? So it's good that people are finding their own voice and style and just kind of discovering that as they go along. It'll be something we'll, probably and talking a bit about more though but you so it sounds yeah. like you really enjoyed the hyper island experience then huh uh definitely um i definitely did i mean i got some i i went there and i built a, uh, a portfolio that was that was good enough to find an internship at least so awesome uh, it was it was it worked as a great springboard into uh into in the industry I must say um, that this just, podcast just, uh, is sponsored by hyper island too i'm just joking just joking <laughs> That's really cool, though. So, so you know, it landed you into the internship. So, but what were you saying? Uh, j- just the final thing about um, going to college or not that um, it's a bad idea to go to college and expect that it's gonna give you a job and give you a, you know a good ed- ed- like you're still responsible for your own education even even if you go to um, SCAD or Art Center or something like that. Yeah, and 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 so the the main key ingredients I think that you mentioned that what we've been talking about is having the main big goal, which is a goal outside of the the constraints of college. And then I think, and then it's also the daily ritual of responsibilities of understanding time management and the persistence of responsibility and having like keeping that focus goal every day and just kind of locking onto it. Right. Yeah. 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 I think so. That's the most sound advice that I could give and I think you're saying the same things. I think that's probably I think what people don't want to hear, but at the same time it's there's no like easy button to success. It's actually mm-hmm. a daily like anybody that's successful is actually most of the time the really successful people are just learning how to continue that successful tri- trip basically and it's, that's that's difficult because you're constantly having to fail in order to reinvent and succeed, you know. So yeah. Well, I think it's like if you don't want to hear that answer, you have to figure out something else before. You have to figure out something more fundamental. Yeah. And if you and if you do want to hear that answer, or if you you kind of already know that answer. Yes, and it's oftentimes like some of the most important and, and key advice in life often comes from um, random places, and it's the most simple advice, right? It's like one yep. of my one of the sayings that I always remind myself because I often. I overwork myself or I put myself in a stupid situation and then I have to remind myself like happiness is a choice, you know, mm-hmm. it really is. I know some people, Oh, you know, if you're, if you're in poverty and all that, like, yeah, totally. Um, but I've seen people that are at their wits end or like have very little in life in comparison and they're happy and they're content 
And it's like the happiness is a choice that's designed by you. It's up to you to have it, you know, so which is difficult, you know, and there's a million excuses to like be like, I'm not happy because, you know, my latte wasn't hot or whatever, (laughs) whatever your bullshit excuses. But, um, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I find this stuff fascinating because so much of it, and I know it's, we're going to talk a bit about, but design, but so much of this is the way you construct your life is also what you put into your work and how your work represents who you are indefinitely. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, Um, I think it's all fundamental, you know, they're so tied together and, and, you know, it's like an integral thing, especially because like somebody like yourself who's doing freelance and like, is, you know, doing your own thing. It's like, you have to have so much self-control and discipline, um, to, to maintain that rhythm and flow basically, which is, we'll talk about, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, fascinating stuff. Let's go back to the, let's go back to the internship. So you had your goal, you went to Hyper Island. I really find it's fascinating too, because looking at your work, I would think that you would kind of always be fascinated by film or know that you wanted to be a filmmaker or a designer. So it's cool to know that you were kind of wandering through. And I think that's going to give a lot of people that listen to this, that are on that same kind of pathway, some possible inspiration, you know? So, right. Yeah, it's very cool. So you went and got your internship. So where was that at? Um, I ended up doing my internship in uh, um, New York City oh, and cool. uh, at, a, at a tiny studio called um, Tronic. Tronic. Um, yeah, they're, they were kind of, they were like hot on the scene, I think, I don't know, six, seven, eight years ago or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I ended up doing my internship there for four months. Um, a tiny studio of like, I had just a handful of people. Um, but it ended up good and I, you know, I left with a couple of decent portfolio pieces and I kind of moved on from there. Awesome. Um, yeah. Good people too. Then I'm sure you got to make some cool acquaintances and stuff. Yeah, definitely. I, I actually interned there with, um, a good classmate friend of mine. We did our, the internship together there. Um, and yeah, definitely met some other people that, um, I've known since and, uh, that have done moved on in the industry and done great things. <clears throat> um, but yeah, it was, I did four months and that was, that was definitely enough. Um, it was, it was a good time to move on. Yeah. And, uh, I actually ended up doing basically two more internships after that, which was kind of the easiest way for me to keep going in the industry. Uh, cause you're still, I was still so green. Right. And like, I knew, I knew some stuff, but like, um, I think early on, it's kind of important to, uh, you know, take what you get basically and do the best of what you have. And uh, so for me, it was to just um, take on basically a couple more internships um, for like a, a total of over a year um, and then doing an internship in Germany and then another one here in New York City. What um, were some of the key fundamental things that you learned for that year of just learning and interning? Um. I mean, it's just like you, you just develop as a designer and an, an animator. I used to animate quite a bit back then in After Effects and cinema, and you, you just get better at, you know, the technical skills and, and the craft um, with each project and in each internship. And you obviously learn, you learn more about working with people and um, working with clients, you know, observing creative directors and, you know, being on client calls and all that. So... So not just the craft, but also kind of the, how the industry works as a whole and, you know, the whole business side of things. Um, 
you know, you get to study like free other freelancers before you, before I went freelancing myself and how that works. Um, so uh, intern doing, uh, doing internships is a great idea. Cause it's like, it's a less pressure version of being a staff. Um, you get less paid obviously, uh, but it's less pressure and people, you know, you're more or less there to learn. You're, you're there to perform as well, but you're also, you know, in a learning position. Yeah. The pressure is much less, I think, which is a perfect way. And I think that's a very smart move by like going into like going from a hyper island sounding situation into an internship and then segueing into what I'm assuming was a staff job next or is it freelance? Um, I went well, my last internship was uh, at a company called Superfat here in New York. And uh, that was it was a it was an internship on paper, but it was like kind of because of that it was the easiest visa to get also yeah <laughs> um but it was you know it was it was a year and it, it kind of like a staff job um to be honest and then after that um that company actually closed so i had to go freelance i was planning on going freelance but i i was also forced to go freelance which is um yeah that was the case basically so since since 2013 i've been a freelancer basically working oh. in from new york Awesome. Yeah. He's, you mentioned like, um, the timeline. So I'm trying to get a timeline on this as well too. So how long have you been since like hyper Island? How long you've been jamming on the, in this industry? Um, well, I did my first internship in 2011. So since, um, since 2011. Yeah. Damn sick. Uh, what was it? Early to 2011. Yeah. 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 So like, um, seven years or so. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Much. Yeah. It's, I, you know, I'm, I'm curious, I'm coming up on, I think I'm just, just hit eight years of working in this mm -hmm. industry and I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, that whole 10,000 hour rule, you know, and I'm mm -hmm. starting to hit some major strides like, um, in my career and just, just, just in general as like how you understand the rhythm. And I, I think there's something to be said about that 10,000 hour rule or that 10 year kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. Are you feeling that at like year seven that you're feeling like certain things are starting to make more sense and things flow a little easier? Um, <clears throat> I guess so. I mean, um, it's hard to say like, but it's, I've always felt like it's been kind of a, just a kind of a pretty steady linear progression, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, I feel, I feel like last year I did some big kind of, um, projects that kind of meant a lot in terms of progress, in terms of like, um, skill and, and career. Um, and also in terms of experience of like being on site at a company and actually like, uh, not being the designer or animator, but actually being the art director and kind of leading a, a team of designers and, and overseeing things a bit more. Um, which I think, yeah, I think, I guess that kind of stuff comes after, you know, five, six year mark. Yeah. Around, you know, is that what you ultimately wanted to do? I mean, so let's, if we go back, we were at the hyper Island and we do, you do the year of internship and then you start to transition. We'll talk about that transition into freelancing mm -hmm. and then now as a freelancer and then getting your stride, still working in, in New York city, which is an incredibly expensive place to live. Um, yeah. so you had to be very crafty about how you, how you manage <laughs> this, this, your expectations of life and stuff. But then, um, and now like kind of leading teams and art directing and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, we talked about goals and being goal focused and oriented and, and, you know, your goals constantly shift as you evolve. Right. So 
do you do you have a, a bigger or a goal that's in mind that you're working towards now? Um, honestly, I don't think I do. Hmm. <laughs> um, I'm kind of like I'm. I'm. It's like you have a few different mindsets, I think, or like a few different thoughts, kind of long-term thoughts in your head. Like one is basically. Um, one is, I guess, would be like, holy shit, I'm working in this, that, you know, I'm doing this thing that I love and I also get paid for doing that. So I'm just going to keep that up. I'm just going to keep doing that. Yeah. Um, why wouldn't you, thing, right? Exactly. Yeah. Another thing would be, which would be, you know, when we talked about driving forces is basically, um, you know, the fear of failure type of, uh, driving force, like the fear of, uh, doing something for eight hours per day that you hate or that you, you know, that you don't, that you're indifferent about. Yeah. Um, that, that I think has been a big driving force for me too, that to finding this thing that, um, is kind of like a escape from, um, you know, a whatever job that I don't care about. What would um, that be? Any other job outside of being creative? Uh, I guess, I mean, I haven't really tried that many, types of job like that type of job but um you know i've 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 tried like um telemarketing and all that stuff and you know low-end jobs like that uh, in my in my teens but you know yeah i guess anything any job that in in a field that i'm not interested in would be um yeah it wouldn't be something that i would want to do and, and spend my time on yeah or what would it wouldn't be fulfilling to you personally, right? Because I mean that's yeah. really the that's really the goal is like if you're gonna spend eight, ten, twelve, fourteen if you're me, <laughs> hours on something, <laughs> you gotta um really love it, right? Or you gotta feel somewhat fulfilled by that experience. Or the exchange is just gonna be like super shitty because you can then lead yeah. you down the, the route of depression or Yeah. Sadness. I mean you, of course you can have job, a job that you don't like, but you you'll have a uh, um, other motivating factors outside of the work that, um, you know, keeps you motivated to, to do that job, whatever, sure. whether, whether it's, you know, family or something else. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I totally understand it's, it, it's not, it doesn't all have to be about passion and, and love and all that for, and that's the case I think for most people. So yeah, it's tough. Yeah. yeah. It's tough to follow your passions. I think if everybody did, it would be a, just a really different society. I think, you know, yeah. Um, I think there would be, uh, it'd just be kind of a revolution of the mind. Um, but I totally understand why. And a lot of it I think is due to just, um, most of the time in, uh, a lack of belief and an inability to see another dimension of yourself. And I'm not saying that's anybody's fault. It may be some people it is, but for the most part, they just, you know, either they didn't have the love and support of a, a family member. I know growing up, when I would draw something, my, I grew up in a family of artists, so it was very normal to be an artist, you know, mm-hmm. but I know that it's not, that's a very un, an unorthodox kind of thing for most people. And I know that people that didn't have that kind of support, it makes it really difficult. And, um, you know, they either have to, you know, not everybody gets that motivation from the, their peers and stuff. And they don't need that. Some people do, yep. but, um, yeah, to have that is really important, but, yeah, it's, it's it's a difficult thing. That's interesting now that you don't have a goal though, and I think that's probably 
it is probably because you are like, wow, I made it here. And then you're just probably enjoying it. So <laughs> there's nothing well, wrong am, with that. I'm definitely enjoying it. But I mean, the overarching goal is in terms of um, work is to, or, or this type of work is to become better and, you know, um, keep, keep uh, developing and, and learning things and, you know, work on your craft basically. So I think the bigger kind of looser goal is, is that, um, and, and of course, the, you know, I don't want this job to be, to become a dead end job either. So that's, that's again, it's like a, you know, it's like a, a what is it? Is that like, like a meta motivator or something like the, yeah, kind of, huh? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like um, a multidimensional motivation kind of thing. Yes. You're, you're, you're feeding multiple things at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And that's a, and that's a difficult thing. I think we're, we should probably segue into talking about freelance and perhaps how you feed that by like picking the jobs that you pick and choosing who you work with and stuff. I mean, some of us don't have the privilege to have those choices, but when you do get a chance as you develop and work and probably around the five to six year mark, you can start to shift gears into that um, realm. Is that kind of where you are now is being able to pick and choose and how do you go about deciding what you're going to do? Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, probably somewhere on there, people start to, I mean, they're probably like at that point built a, a decent portfolio and they can, they get enough work requests that they, that they're, they are able to pick and choose. Um, yeah, I've, I've gotten to that point where I'm, you know, lucky to be able to say no to jobs. Um, and I think at that point it's easier to keep up, keep up the loop of like, taking on the work that you really like doing. So you do really, you know, your best at it. And then putting that up on your portfolio, you know, that creates, uh, probably pulls more, um, interesting work your way. And then you basically, you know, keep that going. Self-fulfilling. Yeah. 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 I, I can tell, um, it's cool because even you, as you mentioned it and watching your portfolio and your work develop over the years of getting to know you, it's like, it's you've you I think you've very much subscribed to the idea that like you only show the work that you want to continually get right mm -hmm. yeah and it's, yeah, that's yeah, a tough decision definitely. to make right and how do you decide that when you first start off because I remember when we first started talking you were doing a lot like like these little illustrations and stuff you remember that like I th yeah. can't remember it was like when you had a blog I think it was a blog or something um like yeah, it's still, up. Boy it's thing? still uh, yeah, you still have it up here. Yeah, I'm looking at yeah, it. Yeah, it's uh it's where I put my doodles Tumblr. Yes, that's right. Um I mean exactly, and that's uh, that's kind of how you I think how you have to do like if you're not lucky enough to land some really cool work that you like doing in the in the very beginning, you kind of have to have this ongoing side project um that you can show people that like hey, I can do this thing or I can do these other things. Um and when I started, I used to be, I, I kind of started out in the industry as an uh, After Effects animator and sometimes cinema animator. But then I, on the side, I did these, um, I had this Tumblr going and that actually, that Tumblr actually landed my, uh, landed me my first um, design job or design gig as a freelancer. Awesome. Um, so I think having that, something like that on the side is, in, is super valuable and is uh, super in, um, important. Um, so you can kind of curate your portfolio, you know, while having your commercial portfolio, which hopefully gets better over time, but then having 
doing your own thing on the side of to show what you actually like doing. Yeah. Or good at. Do you find it's harder the 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 more the years carry on and the more demanding you your clients get or whatever and the projects get to to make time for your personal work? And how important uh, is personal work to you? Like taking photographs or catching photos or film or whatever? Yeah, I mean it's probably harder because just by the fact that you get older and like there are other things that you focus on. Um, you know, when you're in your early twenties, you kind of have just a lot of time on your hands. Um, so it's easier to take an hour or two per day to, to, to work on your side projects, but, um, it probably has lessens, you know, my, my doodles or side projects a little bit, but, um, hopefully that's because I'm, I'm just more fulfilled with the client work I'm doing. Um, and that, and it's kind of transitioned, I think these days into client work kind of becoming something from a client job, becoming a personal project or vice versa. Yeah. Uh, like the hybrid. Didn't use yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, um, the kind of the, the frustration that you have from, um, client project with very little time that you did something on, but which you really liked, but you didn't really feel, um, you know, finished or fulfilled with it, which then becomes a personal project. And then you can develop it further there and, uh, you know, take it to the next level. And then that fuels, uh, new, uh, client work basically. And like, yeah, it becomes a different kind of positive loop. Yeah. And I think it's like another self fulfilling kind of thing though, too. It's like, and I think personal work, at least for me, and I think it's the same for you because I think, um, you see it as well as like how important it is to do the personal work because that's where you do all the, the learning and the, and the experimenting. Cause it's really hard to do that when you're doing client work because you're, expected to, to, to carry a certain responsibility and you shouldn't yeah. be guessing as you go through the client work, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so on a ratio of time and I know you have a busy life on top of all this stuff too, but how do how do you navigate, you know, what's your ratio on time? Do you like, okay, I, you spend like an hour a day learning or is it kind of organic and random or do you pick a project to really focus on then you put time into that how does it work for you to constantly be learning and trying new things um i think it's i think it's kind of organic or it's like not super organized in that sense that i set aside an hour or a few hours a week um i think it a lot of it comes down to if i'm fulfilled on the um client job that i'm doing at the time then I don't really focus as much time on personal work or I don't focus on personal work at all for, for a little, for a little while. Yeah. Um, and then if, you know, if I have some time between projects and I, uh, probably, you know, pick up the camera or, uh, do something in cinema or, you know, something else. So it's, it is kind of organic and kind of fluent depending on like what your life situation is or what your work situation is. Yeah. Um, Yeah maybe we, it's a perfect segue to talk a little bit about um into the bright unknown and how did that come about and what were your influences and all that kind of stuff this is a a short i think it's like what about four minutes or three and a half minutes or so um short film that you made yeah yeah where, where'd that um, come from that came uh <laughs> um i'm not sure exactly where i got the idea but i was 
it was at a time where I was just playing around in cinema and I was experimenting with this um, plugin called Turbulence FD, which uh, I'm sure many people know about, which you can make fire and smoke and all that um, cool simulations. Um, and I ended up doing, uh, I ended up using it on a pitch for a client job. Um, and it was one of those situations where um, I was kind of like, it was just like a two week window. You have to get all, all these, all these style frames for, uh, for this pitch. And, um, so that kind of feeling of, I want to do more of this, um, kind of fueled, uh, I guess my interest to, to make something with, with Turbulence FD, uh, like a side project basically with Turbulence FD. Yeah. Um, while that happened, I think, uh, I actually, I was listening to a podcast it was an interview with Neil deGrasse Tyson and uh it was a really good one because he was uh he wasn't really talking about science he was actually talking about his origin story which was very interesting um and just yeah listening to his voice talk about himself was kind of um was inspiring I guess and uh I figured like oh that this could work as a you know as like a puzzle piece to a personal project and a voiceover um and then somewhere pretty early on, like, and then the, the idea kind of started to form. I wanted to do something with space and Neil deGrasse Tyson's voice. Um, and then pretty early on, I kind of realized like, Hey, I haven't, I have this great camera. Um, but I haven't really done anything with live action and, and especially like, um, these liquids that you can colors and, and, you know, all that, that I ended up using in the short film. And I, I hadn't, done that before so that was on top of the turbulence fd stuff another kind of entirely new venture um yeah so i went from there like in the, the final thing ended up being mostly live action um uh, fluid shots yeah it's funny how that works right <laughs> yeah because <laughs> turbulence fd is such a pain in the butt <laughs> in the processing it's, it's beautiful it. but it's like yeah it's it's heavy as hell and you know it takes a lot of time to render and all that um so yeah, it's, it was kind of like, oh, this is kind of, um, a more fun and more creative way of working, to be honest, of yeah. like mixing these fluids. Cause like I just, um, converted a piece of this, uh, the studio men to, you know, to a mixing table of mixing fluids and, uh, and filming it. Um, so cool. and it kind of, it was like, a it became almost like a shortcut into the parts of a project that I really love, which is, uh, you know, the editing and the, and the color grading of it. Um, and the, and the post basically. Yeah. I love seeing it. I remember when I, I don't know, I, I don't know if you emailed it to me or if somebody had sent it to me or watched it, but I love it. Obviously it's, there's total roots to like Terrence Malick and things that I yeah. totally adore yeah. as well. And, and it's just awesome because I can't get enough of that stuff. So I was like, Oh, this is great. Yeah. More, more Malik. Yeah. Give it to me. Yeah. So it's just really, it's cool. And I love that it was just you exploring and trying new things too, because you're right. I, so often I think people in my, in myself included, we buy this gear or these tools. And once like, you know, we watch, we get all excited and we watch these tutorials or whatever, and then we buy it and then, then life takes over and we're like, well, and then like months later, you're like, well, I have this gear. What am I doing with it? you know? Yep. And, and you have to step past that barrier by doing things like this, which is going into your, um, you know, breaking through your comfort zone and trying different things and being, um, just 
being different and trying to, to use the tools, uh, in a way to express yourself, you know, which is so cool, you know, and, and, and I saw this and then we were doing the cure project and I, I meant, I gave you a shout out and I think when we talked about the fluids, because I had, I figured, you know, if we're going to do Tetsuo like bursting, basically, I didn't want to do it in CGI because I do not want to deal with that (laughs) at all. And so we decided to do it, the film, filming liquids at my friend, Kevin and Rebecca's house. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah, but you were kind enough. I called you up and was like, Hey, how did you do that? And how did you figure that out? And, and we were talking and you were just super generous with your information and time. And it was really cool. So yeah, I appreciate that. And it's just like, yeah. Yeah. You're just as yeah. part of the Kira tribute as everybody else too. So it's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was happy to help and like, because partially because it was like what I did was so simple. Like I, I brought like, it was basically water, um, inks and acrylics, um, soap and a couple of different oils. And like, I just mixed that together and, and see what happened. So, cool. um, yeah. It it's, teaches it's amazing you a lot like, too, doesn't it? It teaches you a lot about like, like how not everything needs to be in the computer. I think we, we are so used to just things having to be in the computer that we don't, mm-hmm. I think the the perfect balance is the middle ground between the camera and the computer and blending the two seamlessly. I think that's really where the incredible work comes from, but that's just me. I don't know. Yeah. Some yep. stuff, it, you know, some stuff it has to, right. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. Sometimes, but yeah, obviously the, the computer has its limitations. Like you have to kind of work within the computer's limitations and then you have to work within the camera's limitations and what you can do in real life. And then, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. basically get the, get the best out of, figure out how to get the best out of each. Yeah, totally. Which I think you really did there. And it's like, yeah, I think that was like the irony of it is like originally you're like, okay, it's going to be like a turbulence piece. And now you're like, no, it's going to be like a blend of the two things or mostly going to be like the live action from all this. Like, cause when you do that, I mean, we, we spent all day capturing that ink stuff and man, when you're sitting there and watching it and we shot on the red and you get this like crazy, I think it was like 4k or 6k resolution. I didn't even think I actually mm-hmm. it was 4k, but when you see it at 4k at 120 FPS, you're just like, dude, this is insane. Like yeah. it's the most insane yeah. stuff. When you look at this stuff, super macro and you watch it explode and you're just, for me, what it did is it really opened up my eye to scale of the world, you know? Yeah. Cause, cause it was yeah, like so- nebulas and stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, <laughs> wow. It, Cause you, you got to imagine you're walking in the, in the rain or something and you put your, you splash your foot through like a puddle full of oil. Imagine all the art that's happening right there. Like you can't even see the most incredible, like most vibrant, incredible art that you've ever could imagine is like happening in that little puddle. That's like amongst the trillions of puddles that are happening in New York at that one time, you know, it's like, (laughs) it's just for me, it like blew my mind and it opened up my mind to just like, photography again i think you know which we should definitely talk about because um we talk a lot about photography and exchanging what we know and what we learn and the gear that we use and stuff so have you always been into photography or like when did it hit you um i think kind of a similar similar thing there was i mean i didn't have a basically i think i come from a very kind of the opposite background of you like you said you have a family of artists and um, my family was not that we, uh, my, my parents basically, uh, immigrated from Turkey in the early eighties. Um, and then they, you know, just kind of just like 
struggle to uh or you know find whatever job they could get and like you know on that path um so i i didn't really grow up around like um uh, you know artistic people or anything like that my mom had a i remember my mom had like an old um uh film camera as in like a you know a photography camera using film um but that's like the only camera i kind of remember growing up but I think if you're just like a visually stimulated person doing this kind of stuff, photography is like a, it's such an obvious um, part of it. Like, um, and it becomes such a, you, you realize like what a powerful tool it is. Yeah. Um, so it's just like, it's there and like, it doesn't make sense to not, um, use it after a while and but i same thing there i kind of like started playing with um dslrs like back in college and uh i mean i loved taking photos back then i was you know nowhere near i didn't know anything about photography I, and i didn't know the settings or anything at all I just like played with this um i borrowed a dslr from the school and, and played with it um and then kind of just had um bought you know my own after a while and play with it more and more and, and realized what an awesome, awesome venture photography is. And it's like, um, you try to get the, you try to get the most amount of detail out of turbulence FD, but it's like it bogs your computer down. It's like, and you're still not happy. <laughs> uh, but then you just mix up some fucking fluids and film it. And it's like, it's infinite detail and you just <laughs> take a step back. <laughs> yeah. You go, Oh shit. Okay. Not talking bad about turbulence. It's like everything in CGI. It's still not there. Um, yeah people rave about but it's not it's not even close to reality it's like still missing all like it's like maybe 50 percent there and 60 which is fine yeah. but it's not there you're absolutely right yeah that's the way that's what i, I mean <clears throat> for me photography is it's understanding light and then creating a way of it's like helps you see life you know mm-hmm. and it's like fascinating because i think when I don't know if you have the same thing, we might have talked about it, but like before really taking photography as a serious hobby or endeavor, it's like I think you go through life kind of missing things, if that makes sense, like missing looking at things in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And when you have a camera or if you know how to see things in a different way, it's like photography opens up your mind to being enlightened. It's like the art of enlightenment almost in a spiritual way that's how it was for me it was like wow it it, just the same epiphany and like kind of euphoria i got from watching the fluids um build out and extrapolate uh, um it just was the same thing i was like this is insane it's so beautiful and like incredible and just super ultra powerful yeah yeah i mean it's it's like you said it's, it's about seeing and it's you kind of yeah you kind of rediscover your own vision or your, uh, the way you rediscover seeing yeah um because you start and you start thinking in different ways too like you start thinking almost like through a camera lens even when you don't even when you're not holding a camera yeah, yeah. Uh, and like you any like every day i walk around like wish i had i could take photographs with my eyes like <laughs> i wish i was you know 100 years in the future from i was like um, probably be like the 50 years miss, I think <laughs> or 50 years yeah. Yeah, yeah it's getting it's exponential going on here yeah 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 it's pretty crazy huh and 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 that's one thing too is uh I had an epiphany when I got a certain type of lens that I um and what's your what's your favorite focal range it seems like every DOP or photographer kind of has this 
range of, of photography lens that suits how they see things. And it varies obviously, but um, yeah. how about for you? Like what's the, what's, what's oftentimes the, your favorite photo and do you look at the metadata and go, Oh wow. Is that that range? Yeah. Um, I think, <clears throat> I think more and more for me, I think it's been like the, the longer I've, I've been playing with photography, the, I've been like moving more and more towards extremes. Hmm. So it's either super wide or super, um, telephoto. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, super wide so being now, like 16. Yeah. 16. I'm like 16. You can like going and walking around on the streets, um, with a 16 millimeter lens is like, you can get some, I love some photos I've taken with a 16. Yeah. It's very inclusive. Like a hundred mil. Yeah. So a hundred mil is the other part, the other part of the spectrum. Yeah. I mean, I basically have a, I, well, the, the two lenses I use the most is actually a 40 mil, um, because it's so small and light. Oh, the pancake. And, uh, yeah. The I pancake. love pancake. It's all so incognito too, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of feel like, uh, you know, Super a journalist spy. or something. Yeah. A spy or something. <laughs> um, yeah, especially with and, the little uh, Sony bodies too. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, and a hundred to 400 mil, which is, you know, fucking Canon. Yeah. It's a beast, beast thing. Um, yeah. but it, it's awesome because you can zoom in so far and you can crop so much and focus in on this, uh, details that are far away. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that that's what I use most. So then I have uh, a, a 24 to 70, which is also super useful, obviously. Um, that I, I love that also lens. Yeah. That's it's a great, great one. Yeah, it's really good for like run and gun, I think. It's not super heavy. It's not huge. It's not small <laughs> by <laughs> any means. And it's not a prime either. It's interesting you didn't mention primes. I think primes are fast, but at the same time, it's like to get the range, it's just such a bitch because you have to have like four lenses with you which, yeah. which sucks. So and changing yeah. lenses just sucks. So, um, but yeah, that's interesting. Cause I, I, uh, I feel like because you are a designer as well, I feel it's, it's it seems like your, your answer makes a lot of sense to me. And I'm very much the same where we have that duality. It's like, I normally love a, a 35 on a 35 mil lens. Usually that's mm-hmm. right. And I love to go down to 16 to be super Kubrick style. But I feel mm-hmm. like the 16 and the 35 were very inclusive in the photography, very journalistic, very capturing the world. Whereas when you do telephoto, you're very much a designer and you're making right. compositions, which is so fun and interesting. And it's a matter of just seeing what it is that you want to see and when you see it. I think I told you I got the one, 150 to 600 telephoto lens, the Sigma. Yeah. <laughs> And it's so fun, and especially with the new camera, because you have that crop button where you can push it in. You can go even further, so I can get to about like 800 mil. And it's <laughs> it's like yep. it sounds really st- silly and stupid, and and for the most part it is. But I love that I love that combination because it what it does to the foreground and how it condenses images and how what it does to like it makes things very um, designer esque. If that makes sense, it's very much like it flattens the composition into this like really beautiful kind of experience. I don't know. It's hard to, yeah. to put the words, but I, I just, I adore the hell out of it. And yeah, it's so fun. It's like, yeah, the, I mean, it's, it's about, it, oh, it becomes about like what you, it, it becomes about what you leave out basically. About yes. What you crop out with your lens. Yeah. Cause I mean, if you think about it, if you're using say like a 16 and then you switch to, 
a hundred or 200 or let's say 400 mil, like you're taking like one 20th of that photo and, and composing it into another photo, really, you know, yeah. And, yeah. which is fascinating because it's then at that point, it's like, what do you show and what do you, what do you reveal? And why is it that you're taking photos of that? You know? So, yeah, yeah. I think we're both probably on a similar train too, where we love to take photos of landscapes, but then we were just talking about this last night where it's like, Oh, we don't have human subjects oftentimes. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and so you want to elaborate on what you were talking about with that? Cause I, I've, I'm right there with you. I think it's, it's pretty funny actually that I was just saying that to myself. I was like, ah, oh, shit, like tons of landscapes, tons of clouds, which I love and that's fine. I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm doing it for myself anyways. Yeah. Um, but then it's like, oh yeah, it would be kind of cool to have somebody there. So when did that epiphany come to you? Uh, I think, I mean, pretty recently cause I, um, I think one, one big epiphany was I did a, a short trip to Scotland last year just to drive around and take photos of the landscapes. But so one of the, like one of my, my favorite photos and one like that was actually appreciated by other people the most was, uh, one that's like. Uh, it's a photo of a landscape, but then there's like one person uh, far away in the distance, and like just the landscape by itself is super beautiful. But it it kind of like it just becomes it, like that's it. Yeah. But if you as soon as you place a person in there, it becomes obviously more relatable, and um, you know it's like the beginning of uh, a narrative or a story or something. Uh, depending on where the person is in the photo or what he, he or she is doing, uh, just becomes just adding a person and it just like adds so much more. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it's pretty obvious, but like it, it, yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's obvious, but it's kind of an opinion you have to have somehow. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a funny thing that I've noticed too. And there's, it's like, um, I think it's just because like we're so, we're so vain as humans, you know? Mm-hmm. And it helps us see, like, obviously scale, right? When you sometimes you can't yeah. tell the scale of things, and then you put a human, you're like, oh wow, okay, that makes sense. So it instantly becomes more consumable, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, definitely, I I, I uh, found the same kind of interesting thing that seemed to be happening when I would look at photography or just in general. I can appreciate a, a landscape plenty, though, for me personally, because I it's like transforms me and especially when it's captured really well, like when it's technically nice. But I also, it's one thing we should probably talk about too, is the imperfections and, and how much, I don't know for you. Do you, do you, cause it feels like you aren't a perfectionist with your photography. And I mean that in the best of ways, because I appreciate when photography isn't a clinical science. I think Mm -hmm. that's really when it's weird, you don't know, it's too perfect. It kind of drives me nuts. But um, yeah, a lot of photography can also be like creepy. What do you mean? I mean, uh, like the, the the photography that I don't really that I'm not really into is like super controlled studio photography. Yeah, it drives me nuts. <laughs> and it's yeah, it's like becomes and you put a subject in there and like you pose them and you you put makeup on them and it's like at, t- at some point it almost becomes creepy in a way. Yeah, um, I would say the sure. same about CGI work though, right? Similar. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> it's like a, it's like a duality, basically. Yeah. Yeah. But it, but I, I mean, agree sure too. If, yeah. I'm not sure if the you know if creepy is the right word, but it's like um, it is. 
I'm just messing yeah. with you. <laughs> <laughs> now, if, but, if some people are, are listening and getting pissed, sorry, sorry, it's just a matter of opinion too. So, sure, yeah, yeah. who cares? Like, I'm not, you're probably I'm not making you're probably making a like, killing, and we're like making we're we're not so good for you. <laughs> yeah, because I know the studio photography, I think, is where a lot of money is made and exchanged. It's like, it's, yeah. but it's also weird that people would want that. I don't know. It's weird, like that hyper reality to represent what it is they're doing. I, I guess so. I guess it makes sense. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. so, I'm, I, I think it's just a matter of what you like, right? Like I'm a, such a fan of candidness, oh. you know, but at the same time, I really adore like films like let's say Blade Runner, for example, which is, a, it's a, basically a studio photography, but it's like really mm-hmm. tastefully done. You know, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. It's something I'm constantly going through in my head. And I don't know if you have the same issues. How is it when you watch a movie? Do you, are you able to watch the movie or are you just constantly like, Oh, interesting or this or that, or why did you do that? How does it work for you? Uh, it probably depends on the movie and how good the movie is and like how sucked into the movie I am. I think the better the movie, the, the harder it is to actually analyze it yeah. unless you like, you know, force like in, unless you like you watch it like 20 times and like the 20th time you actually force yourself to, um, break it down and analyze it. But, um, I don't, I don't do that much, um, that, that kind of stuff thinking that thinking too much, I think, but, um, I mean, sometimes I try to, uh, I know it's, it's good for me and it's good for my development, but, um, I'm, I'm also really good at just like watching a dumb movie and enjoying it because it's fun and action packed, you know, <laughs> that's good though. I mean, cause that's the experience that you're, cause not every film is designed to be the same as the other one. That's what's makes it really cool but yeah it's the challenge of the the entire experience really so yeah what's uh we've talked about a couple films what's one that you watched recently that you enjoyed oh uh one that i rewatched recently on on an airplane and i hadn't seen in a few years is actually rush oh yeah um the formula one movie yeah yeah with um what's his name yeah um I'm blanking on the director's name, but he's, um, he's, he made he's a masterclass the, too, I think too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He's directing the um, solo movie, um, and solo movie. Yeah. Um, but I, I, for some reason, I mean, it's, it's just a gorgeous movie first of all, and has like beautiful shots and beautiful sound design and like these revving awesome cars and, um, a pretty gripping uh, narrative or a story too about these like insane, uh, race car drivers. But, um, that was I, I watched that pretty pretty recently and I really like that movie. Um, it's not you know it's just kind of like a um, biopic. Yeah, kind of thing. it's um, a stylized biopic. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, it is. exactly. Yeah. yeah, and it is. It's like it's fun for what it is. Definitely. Um, actually, this is going to be a more uh, pretentious one, but I watched a Japanese movie um, that <laughs> I'm not sure why I'm bringing this up, but. Because I can't well, remember. Went to Japan, so we'll talk about that too. Right, um, but that was that was a great movie too. But it was all about like what's it called? Um, we're talking about Ron Howard directed Rush, by the way. Ron Howard. Yeah. Ron Howard. Yeah. Um, Happy days. I can't remember the name of the Japanese film, but it was like it was super grounded. It was like the opposite. It was super grounded. It was about this. Um, Divorced dad, you know, with um, with children who's 
with another woman. Like it was all about like real life basically, but uh, set in Japan. And that was that was it. And it was just oh, really well made. Um, I'll try to find it again so we can upload a, a link or you know. You ever see the Descendants? You ever see that movie with uh, um, George Clooney in Hawaii? Um, no, mm, I love know. that film. That's a good one. Super good. Okay. Yeah. Similar kind of um, content, kind of, but different, obviously, but very mm. complicated, but kind of stylized in a weird way. It's interesting. And George Clooney's just awesome. So just watch almost yeah. all his stuff because he's just, he brings it every time. He, like, have you seen um, him in Solaris? I felt like he did such a good job in Solaris. I feel like it's, yeah. I know it's like, it's a remake of a classic, but it's, I feel like the remake has got some really great things. I think it's constantly like, attacked because of the pause because it's a, a re-envision reimagination of a another film really so um but yeah. yeah i've seen seen his um clooney's solaris i actually haven't seen original but oh, yeah. Uh, yeah i really like clooney's clooney's version it was yeah. a solid film yeah it's good stuff um we talked a little bit about pta's last film too which i think we both really enjoyed as well paul thomas anderson's latest film called phantom thread yeah yeah that's a good one. That's a really good one too. That's a nice latest yeah, I'm film. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I actually forgot about it. And it's that was a great film. Yeah, it's one of those films. I think you said it perfectly. It's like it. It's so level. It's so layered, but at the same time, it's hard to kind of analyze when you're watching it because it's so integrated so well. But because because I think it's coming from a true source. Mm-hmm. You know, we're lucky we have the ability to have. Um, I, I really look at him as a kind of a master of his craft, you know, and we're we're watching mm-hmm. like a master at work and we're seeing this craft and also the people that he works with too. And it's pretty crazy that he shot that too, which is makes me even like it even more because getting more into photography and as a director, you would think you'd want to shoot all your stuff, right? You know, like, cause it's right. supposed it's, to come through your eyes, you know? So it's instead of working with a DP, you mean? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's amazing when collaborations go well, it's the worst when they don't, but sometimes you make the better art, you know? Um, I remember listening to an interview with Denny Villeneuve, the director yeah. of Blade Runner and all that stuff. He was talking about working with Roger Deakins and how he would have these like little t- arguments with him, obviously on set, nothing big. I don't think it didn't seem like it, but then he would tell his wife and his wife would tell him like, you know, yeah, stop it. Cause he's just better than you. So let him do his job. <laughs> and it's right. like, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of crazy and true because yeah, I mean, Roger is in himself. He's a, a master of cinematography. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, but we don't all have the privilege of working with a master like that too. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. sometimes you got to do it yourself, you know, and pick it up. We kind of have to figure it out ourselves until we get to that level to Denise level or something. Yes, exactly. Yeah. We should probably segue and talk a little bit about you getting a chance to work on the latest Blade Runner and, and how did that feel? And was that kind of a, was that a hard thing to, to take on or the challenge or how did it feel for you as a project? Uh, I mean, it was, it was, crazy it was awesome like it was um so cool it, it just like kind of landed on my on my lap it was um years of Danny progress Ant. though to get there so uh i guess so but yeah um <laughs> well, you know, it has to be like, danny's reaching out to you right yeah yeah i mean we, we'd worked on a couple of pro- or a few projects before that yeah. uh, a few commercial projects and then he just called me up out of nowhere and like hey do you want to work on blade runner and i was like <laughs> You know, almost fainted, but then said, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> so rad. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, it was a 
we pitched on it first. We pitched on the title sequence and the studio logos, and then they liked our stuff, which was yeah, which is super cool. So we, you know, um, executed it and produced it. Um, my focus was on the studio logos, uh, the Warner Brothers, and all that. Yeah, the beginning uh, of the and, film, right? Yeah, it's pretty yeah, crazy, uh, right? Isn't that crazy to think that your art is forever etched in time? attached to something as big as Blade Runner and it starts it the is, film. That's pretty nuts. It is so fucking cool. That is, is super so cool, cool, man. It, like, it's and like, it's so cool that it's attached to, you know, the new Blade Runner. Yeah. It could have been any other movie, but it's like to that movie. And those, those kind of films um, only come every once in a while, you know, there's, they're few and far between really. So, yeah. yeah. And, and like that, that, it's a movie that's directed by Denis Villeneuve, uh, who's, whose previous film, I haven't seen that many of his films, but like, oh, I love it. Um, oh, Enemy is great. Enemy is Enemy great. stuck with me. Yeah. Yeah, it, it will. That movie, if you really, I have the book too. It's The book is called, uh, I'm looking at it right now, it's called uh, Double. Yeah, it's called The Double. It's based on a book. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm. Yeah, that bo- that movie will stick with you because it's the way he t- tells it. It's so surreal and subjective, really. And it's like, yeah. a, it's like a piece of art, which is very cool. Um, yeah. And it's simple too. I love that Very it's so simple. simple. It's like a few yeah. characters and like and just dives deep into those characters. I love that. Yeah, and I think that it's a, it's it's a proof of concept to a film that doesn't need to be about. It's about big things, but it doesn't have that. It doesn't like there are some very interesting things that happen. And also, you have Jake Gyllenhaal. I mean, he's that guy who just carries so yeah. much of the film on his shoulders. You know, you got to really hand it to him. It's like you put the camera on that guy. And you just go. <laughs> those you know, eyes. Yeah. Those eyes, man. <laughs> it's those eyes and it's just his delivering his energy, I think. is just like there's some actors that bring it and he's one of them. Um, he does it yeah. every time. <laughs> Nightcrawler like was Night- so Nightcrawler, incredible. Yes. <laughs> Nightcrawler, yeah. I just rewatched that like last month so and good. I was just, yeah, I was taken aback by like how much he transforms. I think Christian Bale does the same thing too, but I think Jake has a different energy um, that he brings too. Because I was watching Donnie Darko as well and I was like, Sometimes I like to watch films of all the, like, I'll watch like a, I went on like a Tom Cruise binge and watched like three of his movies and mm-hmm. just watching him evolve. Like I watched Legend when he was really young and kind of rusty. And then I watched um, Rain Man, which was much more progressed version of himself. And then, um, and then Vanilla Sky, which is a very, I mean, it's crazy how many films he's been in. He's been in so yeah. many films, but to watch his art and his craft change and adjust over years is really quite fascinating. And, yeah. How he uh, develops his, his running style and you know, yeah. how, how he affects his, the runnings, the, the run the shots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got his, yeah, he's, he's, um, I mean, the dude no, works with Stan, Stan yeah. Kubrick. I mean, it's like, what, what you going to do there? You know, it's like, what a crazy, oh. what a crazy journey, you know, but that's really cool, man. I'm, that would be something that I would really be near and dear to my heart. And that's got to be an interesting thing too. It's like, you know, such a major property and to be attached to it and then to start it, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, and to carry all that. It was, you know. it was a, it was a, it was a, definitely a lot of hard work, and it was like you. I mean, you've you've done a lot of these projects yourself, like on on, on AAA films and, and big projects, and like you, you kind of have to deal with all the emotions. Like on a co- normal like client commercial projects, you kind of have to like get a product out, but like this, you have to deliver, like your your a game and then you have to deal with all the emotions like that comes like you know i have to do my best and is it good enough is it original enough um and all of that like 
the studio logos is basically we just like we just glitched some logos like that's you could describe it as that yeah um and that was well done though so that's the important part too yeah i mean that's that was something that kept going through my head like we're just glitching some logos is this gonna like are people gonna actually appreciate this but the the direct liked it and you know that the, the team liked it so like you kind of have to and it made sense for the film like it actually like hit a plot point in the film um which is why the director liked it so you kind of have to like go you know all in and like do your best with with that concept and like yeah try to try to push push it as possible even though you know it's just glitch at the end of the day yeah which yeah and i mean on the surface it is right but then there's more beyond it and i think that's probably what denny liked and that's why he added it to his film really because that's all it is that you're doing is you're just trying to communicate to the director what it is that they're trying to communicate to their audience you know because their audience is ultimately their client and you're working underneath them so it's like managing that is a very complex thing so exactly and and in the end like you're you're serving a story and so it's not about being original or anything you're serving a story yeah exactly Um, and and setting a setting a uh, mood basically with those opening logos if you try to serve the idea of say you know abstract words like originality or authenticity you're basically trying to serve yourself and your own ego um and that's a disjustice to the actual film i think a lot of the stuff that when it comes to originality that really should come and shine through in your personal work or unpaid kind of like title sequence kind of things for speaking events and all that kind of stuff too. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but that's really Definitely. where you have the realm to set the trends and, and, and try something different and, and collaborate and do weird stuff. But no, that's really cool. Hats off, man. That's a, that's a huge accomplishment and it's a really cool thing to have in your career. You know, it's something cool to like, you know, you work your way up to get these things to earn that those kind of positions, you know, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. So very cool. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You've been recently. Be more oh, sorry. Go thankful. ahead. No, I just, I, I couldn't be more thankful for something like that to, you know, come to me of all people. Yeah. And Danny Yacht too. got to give a shout out to Danny too. So. Oh yeah. Uh, super yeah. nice guy. And it's awesome that he reached out too. You've been doing, um, speaking events, right? You've been going out and doing some of that. That's a new thing for you. How's that been going and, and what's that been like for you? Uh, yeah, it's been, it's definitely a new thing. It's, it has been going pretty well, I think. Um, um, it's, it's cool. It's fun. I mean, you, it's a weird thing. Cause it's like, you just go up and talk about yourself for 45 minutes, which is, don't do that. You, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not used to it, then it's definitely a weird and uncomfortable thing to do. Um, but I guess, you know, you try to kind of balance it out with like, with um thoughts of like well you know they're interested in your work and like they're here to listen to you and um so you try to like um make it interesting but humble at the same time and like just uh and yeah deliver and like not be boring and uh yeah i mean it's but it was i mean in the end it's super cool like and super cool to be invited to these events and, and talk and like get that kind of validation i guess um and to be able to, you know, uh, uninterrupted talk about your, your thought process on a, on a project, for instance, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. 
And it's an interesting thing too. Also like just kind of seeing um, people's reactions to things is really cool too. And I, I love it for meeting people too. It's really nice to be able to meet people in person and also traveling yeah. is lots of fun, especially since we're into photography. It's like a free way to get to a place that you probably wouldn't otherwise because you'd just be working, you know? So oh, yeah. it's, it's yeah. always really it's so fun. Cool. They, they put you in a hotel and fly you out. It's like, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, but it's a great exchange, right? Cause they sell tickets to yeah. sell your time up on the stage and explain yourself. And it's like a nice symbiotic relationship kind of, you know? So it's like, Definitely. yeah, yeah they, they rarely, if ever pay, which is fine. Um, I'm not saying anything against it. Um, usually if you go to like the bigger, uh, high up kind of things and you know, you can, but usually what I do is just like, Oh, you know, just make sure you take care of the travel and stuff. And then, yeah. um, and then I'll, I'll deliver the best that I can to your audience and stuff. One thing yeah. that I've been learning over the years of doing these things is like, and this is a note that my wife has been helping me out a lot with this stuff is, um, cause she's come and saw, seen a couple of them. She's like, you gotta stop talking about yourself and these things. It's not like a it's not like a, you stand on stage and look at your website <laughs> and it's what we, it's like almost what everybody does, especially the start. Right. But then yeah. she's like, you need to give these people like what you got to give them more than that. You know, you got to give them some, like some motivation and advice and resources and all anything. And she really, she, um, I got to hand it to her. I mean, my wife is so, so amazing, but she really helped me, you know, at first I was like, nah, you don't, you're talking about get away from me. <laughs> Cause I was like really insecure about doing them. And I was, you know, I just, I, I knew that I had a lot of growth to do with it anyways, but, um, but she, the last one we did, which is a lot of fun. It was out in, uh, Milan. It was, uh, I forget the, the event was, um, it was a really it was cool off, one. Man. Um, it was, it was an off, but it was like an offshoot of off actually. No pun oh, intended. I think it was day? off. It did. Yeah. Design digital days. That's it. Right. Thank you. Um, but it was cool. Like we were in the hotel room just jamming on the talk together. And she was just like, you know, giving me crazy notes and like, you know, like helping me make it better. I think, um, from what I experienced from it, it really had a strong impact on people because it got a lot of, um, people that felt motivated beyond just seeing the art, but at the same time getting inspired. I think a perfect balance is between the two, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. motivation, but at the same time showing why you do what you do and, and, and elaborate on, on the things that you love, you know? So, but I don't know. I don't know all the answers. And I see a lot of guys, some of these guys, they just, they do the rounds like um, Mr. Bingo and stuff. Like they're like a, yeah. like a com comedy art show or something. Did he do yeah. the one at yours too? Yeah, he was there. Yeah. I missed yeah. his, I couldn't watch his talk, but he, he was definitely there. Um, and he's then so same thing with, yeah, he's, he's, he's a talent. He's a natural for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and David O'Reilly was there too. And did, oh, did his, incredible. some amazing presentation he actually like did a um there was kind of like an after party gathering uh industry industry thing um in amsterdam and he did like this whole kind of comedy bit basically which uh, he was this crazy german um dj tech evangelist guy and it was like it was i didn't i think that was the first time he did it and it was so much fun it was so cool he's a super smart guy david's very yeah. smart and very unique um, guy he's kind of a genius like we taught we did this uh, we spoke um the first time i met him was in tokyo at fitc tokyo and yeah he did this talk it was like this like he had brought a friend of his that translated his talk and it was like this 
45 minute nonstop, um, talk about being an individual and a real, and, 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 and like being a, a, an artist and being authentic and the importance of being authentic. It was just like, wow, like, thank you. It was, yep. inc- it was, it was such a gift. Um, he's a very smart guy, highly intellectual and very unique and, and incredibly authentic too, which is yeah. super cool. Yeah. Like you, you got to appreciate, you got to love people that are authentic that aren't being assholes, but they're really cool because like it takes so much to be, to take a risk, to be individual, you know, it's like, yeah. You're going against Absolutely. all the odds. And I think it's so important to praise that it really is. So it's so easy to just, um, yeah, copy what everyone else is doing kind of, um, you know, keeping your head down and like, and yeah, not, not stick out, but, uh, he's, he's, it's very inspiring to see people like that at events like that. Cause, uh, especially in like in our industry, it's like, it's easy to forget about, you know, all the things that he talks about, like, and like the, the psychology of things and like the, the, the thought processes of, um, or the history or, you know, everything else, basically everything else in life. <laughs> it's easy to just like get, um, very like entrenched in just graphic design and motion design yeah. and forget about other things. It's so true. Why is that? It's an epidemic of thought though. Yeah, it is. I, yeah, I guess it is. Um, I, I, maybe it is because it's so demanding, just like just the, the motion graphic design part of it is just so demanding in itself that it's it just isn't time enough for a lot of people to, you know, do proper reading. Um, like I'm, I'm super interested in, in psychology and like uh, this, this entire thing of psychology, but, and I would love to read more and I, I plan on reading more about it, but I just haven't because you're so focused on this one thing and, and trying to be good at that. So it's amazing when people like David, um, manage, manage, manage to pull off creating game, everything. And also, you know, being so well read. Yeah. So it's, it's very inspiring. He's a, he's highly intellectual though. It's, it's like, um, I really enjoyed my time with him. He's a really smart guy. And I think it's, I think he um, is very interesting in how he manages his time by splitting it up. I, I, he's not necessarily like, I think it's a, it's ability to look at things granularly and then very um, outside of everything and then far and close and being able to navigate how close you are in your distance from things, which I think is a testament to just maturity, I think too, you know, and it's like, yeah. it's, it's, it's difficult. It definitely isn't easy to, to, um, constantly be aware of what you're doing and why you're doing it and constantly be self-reflecting. But so much of this journey, it's like, we don't know the answers, but we have, we are successful in our own rights being able to do what we do now. Um, and I think for most people looking at from the outside in say like, let's look at your resume now. And especially like, let's use a, the Blade Runner, for example, it's like, that's a, a feather in the cap of success, you know? So it's like, it's so it's 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 we don't have the answers but at the same time i think we're working towards it you know and i think some people have a greater grasp on it than others and it's it's um i don't know where i'm going here with it but i think it's there's a rhythm of of living that's really important and part of it a big part of it is understanding where you get your influences how you manage your influences and then how you digest them and and what you right. focus your time on because what you focus your time and energy on is is a huge part of who you are, you know? Yeah. yeah, It's going to take, and it's going to take focus and time from other things in life that are also important. Yeah. Which Um, is the balancing, which is 
probably a good segue to talk a bit about balance because I mean, freelance is totally against <laughs> balance. It's, <laughs> it's the, it's like freelance and the word balance are very hard well, I think to this, connect. This industry in general is just against oh, yes. balance. Yes. It's not a balanced industry as, a, at all. No, it's not. And what do you think makes it so unbalanced? Uh, probably, I mean, probably the kind of increasing speed or yeah, speed and, and necessity to get things out faster and faster, which is probably a product of the society that we live in and the, you know, the, the system of the, like the financial system we live in. And, um, you know, that, you know, that kind of huge scale thing does come back and, um, affect the individual. Yeah. It's um, consumption. It's a massive, fast, rapid consumption. Yeah. Yeah. We're just as guilty though. If we consume, you know, of course. Yeah. We're, we're in it. Um, we're, we're feeding and consuming at the same time, obviously. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it's an interesting um, thing that happens with this industry though, like how unbalanced it is. And I think there's there, it's, it's kind of common with a lot of industries too, especially yeah. in regards to consumption, but yeah, but how do you manage uh, a balance, and do you have a balance, or do you care to have balance? You know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, that's a good question, and and you know, it's I probably probably slash definitely have not been balanced in you know since I started. Um, but like, that's kind of it's the nature of the industry, and it's kind of the, the nature of being very focused on one thing and wanted to become you know, decent at it at least. Um, as you said, it's like this happens in any line of work in any industry. It's, uh, um, I, I listened, I've actually, I listened to, uh, your pod, this podcast from when it started. And and I remember from, I actually remember, remember from the Danny out episode, um, the first one he did, that he said, like, you got to stretch that sucker now and then, but, uh, which I guess he was, he was talking about the balance, right? Yeah. And, um, yeah, but it's, you know, if you don't keep it, if you, you got to unbal- unbalance it sometimes, but then if you keep it unbalanced for too long, it's, you know, something, something fails, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's a, I mean, that's sometimes it's a lesson that's hard to learn or you don't see it coming or you feel mm-hmm. it, but you don't know it. But yeah, this industry, based on how we consume and how fast and rapid things are, um, it's totally unbalanced. It's just kind of how it is. But I think it's a lot of it in my mind, because I try to think about these things in a bigger picture, like why is it so unbalanced? And a lot of it, I think, comes from the sheer gravity of knowledge that you must acquire to get to a place where rhythm starts to occur. You know what I'm saying? It's mm. like the amount of programs, the amount of time you must spend with these programs to understand them, the amount of time you must fail with a client to understand how to communicate. All these yep. things, uh, the years, I think it takes like honestly at least a solid 10, 15 years to really grasp it. And then you start to flow a little bit more and things start to go. But that means that it's like 10 years of just like total unbalance and shittiness, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> it's unfortunate, but it's kind of a part of it. And I think that's one thing I try to warn people that are interested in doing this stuff. It's like, I would never detour anybody from following their passion, their heart, but I just want you to be aware that like how much sacrifice it does take. If you decide to really do this at the level to compete, you know what I mean? Like if you want to go 
And if you, it's like, if you want to, if you, it's like somebody saying, I want to be an Olympic athlete. I don't know if I would relate what we do to that necessarily, but mentally it might be similar um, because yeah. of the magnitude yeah. at the level, you know, but it's like, yeah. you can't casually say you want to be an Olympic athlete. You have to literally, you have to give it everything. That means you have to sacrifice yeah. every, every casual thing that you find in your life. You basically have to kind of let that stuff go because of the magnitude of, of the rhythm that you can get from, you know, the time that you have to take to, to, to study all these programs and to understand them and what they do and how they work and how to connect them. And, and all, all along that you have to understand, okay, well, how do I be authentic and original? And then how do you know, how do I repeat that thing? But you be unique. And it's like, wow, it's just, uh, it's pretty incredible that it even gets done. Imagine the amount of neurons that fire just in order to do like one of these small tasks, you know? So uh, yeah, <laughs> many, <laughs> Is that the number? Probably many. many. Yeah, many, yeah. many amounts. Yeah, <laughs> just use that word as a broad term. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, but I, I mean, it's totally true. Like this, it takes so many man hours, this this work, this industry. Um, and it takes, as you said, like a solid, you know, now, like after seven years, I feel like I'm starting to learn how to work more smart or more smartly. Yes. Much more but, work um, smarter. Is the, yeah. Work smarter. Yeah. Um, but still, like you still have to put in lots of time and lots of hands-on work. Yeah. Um, but you figured some things out, so you kind of you don't have to put as much. You don't have to fire as many neurons doing those things anymore, which is good. Yeah. But yeah, it just it takes a lot of time. Um, and of course, you can. You, of course, you can like do this job and not care so much about. Uh, like you can do this job as a nine to five job. That's totally fine. And a yeah, lot of people, a lot do, of people do that. That's totally yeah. Fine. yeah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Cause it's like you're the, those people I found and I've met them and I've encountered them. Those people actually do have a decent or like a decent grasp on balance because they actually have <laughs> the ability to say no or close the thing out because it's like, they don't have to, uh, they, they have the nine to five and that's the, the cushion and they enjoy it because they're not, trying to spend all night at the studio working, trying to perfect a pixel. Um, and not saying that one's better than the other. I think they're both great, just different, you know, different desires, you know, on yeah. one side, yeah. somebody wants to be great at being a parent or a husband or a wife or sibling or whatever. Um, and then the other side, a person wants to be remembered in the world of art and, um, explore themselves creatively and sometimes that means like going to the deep ends of their mind all the all night long for months and years on end you know so um, yeah it's just different journeys i think and i think the the values are just different you know i think the main point though that really bugs me is is a care for the craft you know and a respect for the craft and putting mm -hmm. out the best work that you can um, as much as possible we should probably talk a little bit about social media and how you encounter it i just found this really interesting sure. Quite a, quite a beautiful video. I don't know if I sent it to you. I think I did last night, actually. We were talking about farts and stuff because we often do that. <laughs> um, but we are. I sent you a video late by Sean. <laughs> what? Our late night combos about uh, we get super such. silly. We get super silly. Um, but I sent you like I think it was a link. I don't know if you saw it, but it was by Sean Tucker. He's a photographer and he also does like filmmaking and stuff. And he has this uh, pretty great, amazing YouTube channel. Add him on the podcast. And he had this really, if you haven't watched it and you're encountering weird stuff with social media, uh, I oh. highly recommend it. It's really good. But um, 
I'm scrolling up through our conversation right now. I'm going to find it. it and I it. If it. I missed it, I'll send it to you. But anyways, it was something really, it had some really profound, wise bits of advice in regards to social media. I remember pretty clearly in my head, there was this one post that you, you had made, which was made me laugh out loud, is um, like this Behance thing. You want to explain that <laughs> Behance thing? Because I think it's, fat, it's hilarious. And, and maybe that segues into it social media and and do you do it and how do you deal with it and all that kind of fun stuff uh yeah which which behance thing are you referring to the one <laughs> so the, the percentage or it was like when people like something about like the st- statistics say or something yes, like that. yeah right. that one yeah yeah um right i just like you get you get you get these comments on behance basically like saying like hey nice work check out my portfolio yeah. So I just, you know, I got fed up with that a little bit and, you know, I made a little, you know, a, a piece of typography saying like, uh, you know, asking to someone, asking someone to check out your portfolio will increase or decrease by thousand, thousand percent that they will check out your portfolio, basically. <laughs> it's kind of a mean, cynical thing that I did. It's fun. true, though. It's true. It's very <laughs> annoying. It's like a backhanded compliment on there. I remember the first time using Behance and then um, I usually very kind of, I don't really do comments really anymore. I try not to avoid them. Um, yeah. It's just, it's weird. People are weird. And so, um, some yeah. people are amazing yeah. and they're awesome, but I, 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 I yeah. never leave comments on things very rarely. And if I ever do, it's, I only will leave like a positive thing. That's, I don't know if that's probably wrong as well. I don't know. <laughs> um, cause I just, no, yeah, that, that's what I do too, basically. If I do, if I leave a comment. Yeah. It's, and if I have something bad to say, I just like, yeah, well, I, I keep it to myself, you know, unless I feel like they can learn something, but I wouldn't do that in the form of social media because it's wrong. <laughs> it's just stupid. Yeah. I would do that you in person. Face to face. Yeah. Phone, with yeah. eye contact and like, and, and be constructive. It's like, I'm not going to destroy you online. Cause it's just like, that's stupid. <laughs> it's horrible. And people that do that need to stop. But, um, I thought that was a brilliant thing. Cause it's so true. I started using it and I started getting these comments and I was like, all right. And then everybody was like, awesome peace, bro dude, check out my work. And like, I did it for a couple of times. Like I took the bait and I was like, uh-huh. what the hell is this? And then I was like, okay. And then I looked at all the comments. They all did that. And so it was kind of funny though, because the other day I was um, going to troll a friend of mine for fun and make that same comment on his, my friend, Zach, he did some stuff with Akira and I was going to say like, Oh, nice project. You should check out mine <laughs> because he worked on it too. And it was like going to be a funny joke, but it right. wouldn't let me post it. And I was like, Oh wow. They must've filtered that like spamming thing that everybody does. And so I was like, that's kind of brilliant. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, so I was like, that's great. Know. Good job. Behance. <laughs> well, I'm yeah. sure they were like, dude, this is like an epidemic of the comment section. It's like all these people just totally spamming everybody. I mean, it is. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of um, ruined that community for me. I was like, is this what it is? Like, it's just like a bunch of like desperate people. Like I'll look at your work if it's there, you know, and very rarely do I get a chance to like go through Behance and like scroll up, scrub through stuff. I it's just, I don't know. I, maybe I use Instagram for that. I don't know. So. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, I go on it on Behance pretty regularly. Um, I think what it is, is just like people kind of, um, I feel like they, they kind of think of it as like, uh, they think of it st- statistically as like the more of these comments I post on people, even if it's annoying, the more uh, views I will get in the end. So it's, I think they just like, it's a numbers game for them. Yeah, it's gross. I'm not sure. Sh- it. 
I mean, I might be wrong, but I'm not sure if it's like they're actually looking. Right. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. There's so many of them, and like, um, and that's kind of the nature of um, social media. Like, if I like or comment on other people's uh, stuff enough, they will come back and you know follow me or something. It's like that's weird, but it, yeah, it does backfire. <laughs> it does. When I see that, I see right through it. I'm like, get out of here. Like go do your work. Like don't play this numbers game. What you're doing is you're focusing too much time and energy on this numbers game, which is an algorithm. You're playing into like Google's and Instagram's algorithm. Are you trying to, you're trying to fudge the system, but you really can't, you know, it's like you you, you can try, but at the same time, at the end of the day, the person that's going to win is the person that's doing the love, the work that they love and putting in the love into that work, you know? Um, you're going to be instantly forgotten in the path of history. If you're just sitting there pl- trying to play this like numbers game, you know, it's just like, it's not going to yeah, last. Your focus is just on a thing. That's it. Okay. Yeah. And it's something that's like, honestly a trend. Um, uh, we've seen it like with face or, you know, we've seen it with MySpace. you know, like MySpace was such a dominant thing online and it's mm-hmm. kind of like, like a joke now, I guess. Like I heard it's back, but I don't know. Like I don't, I don't, I'm not paying attention to it too much and I'm probably being incredibly cynical whereas Facebook kind of came in and I feel like Facebook is kind of running its course as well. So yeah. it's interesting because like you, now you have like the Snapchat, which now like Instagram kind of is consuming that too. And mm. it's, but it's all a trend though, you know, and trends, they, they last like, they're like a blink of an eye, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, the only one I really use is, um, or the one I, consume i guess is and use instagram is tinder (laughs) Um, i just post my all my stuff on tinder all the Uh, all the man bun photos yeah just uh (laughs) galleries of man buns (laughs) just different lighting (laughs) (laughs) macro man bun you can't even tell but you must have this you must trust that the photographer was taking a man bun photo Man bun through a, a lens, so you get that chromatic aberration on the man bun. <laughs> chromatic bun. <Yeah>. Amazing. <laughs> My wife uh, is trying to, she's always like, what's up deal with a man bun? And I was like, oh, Taurus has a man bun. She was like, really? I'm like, yeah. I was like, I think it works, you know, it works for you. I couldn't do man bun. My face can't support the man bun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I guess I'm supporting it as long as I can. Yeah. If it falls yeah. off, it falls off. And I'll, yeah. I have to. You're holding on to that man bun. With your yeah. life. The chromatic man bun, <laughs> but so, so you tiny. use you use uh, primarily Behance and Instagram. Is that what you said? Uh, yeah, I mean Behance for like as more of a second portfolio, and Instagram is like just the only. I'm on Facebook, but I don't use Facebook, or I never post on Facebook. Um, I used to post photography on Facebook, but I've stopped doing that also. So it's like Instagram ruins is, the photos on Facebook. Kind of, yeah, kind of. And yeah. um, these days I kind of, I look at my photography as, I mean, I'd love to do like paid, paid work as a photographer. So I, I take more seriously, I guess, than a few years ago when I just posted it on Facebook. Now I actually have a, a dedicated website and all that for it. So I don't really bother with Facebook and I, I post it on Instagram. Um, yeah. So Instagram is the one I use, I guess, but it's kind of, it's an, kind of an annoying platform as well. Yeah, wow, yeah, it's very annoying. It's good and inspirational, and, and there's a lot of good stuff on there. Yeah, it's a double-edged yeah. sword. I've been thinking about yeah. doing the same thing with my photos too. Just like I don't know, but I, 
it's it's kind of hard because I don't know. I think you're similar to me. Is like when you go place, you'll just fire so many photos, and it's like, man, distilling it down. It's like, how do you do that? Yeah, <laughs> there's so much, and like distilling it down. I guess that's the art of it, you know. But I think now it's like the next thing is probably just finding a way to put a series of things together that's more themed and focused, and then mm-hmm. using that maybe as a thing uh, to kind of focus the, the 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 purpose of it down, you know. So. But yeah, it's interesting. And I always thought, I don't know if you share my same thoughts with Behance, but I always felt like it was like a design circle jerk kind of thing, you know? I didn't know if people would get yeah. work off of Behance. <laughs> I felt like Behance is more or less like a place where you share your design work with other designers, really, you know? And then like your art gets ripped off there, kind of, you know? So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally uh, shitting on Behance. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be. I, I use it. I like it. it so yeah. It is. And I, think I just use it in a different way, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true uh, to a, a fairly large extent, but I've actually gotten some work off of uh, Behance. So it actually has functioned as like a portfolio. And I've, I've had like, you know, art directors from, uh, you know, uh, companies, like actual companies, not like production companies, but and they found me on 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 Behance and uh, for some reason, I'm not sure why, uh, maybe just they just found know about it and they know that's where artists hang out and that's where they can find cool work. Come and snipe uh, you guys. Pew, pew. Yeah, they come and snipe you. <laughs> uh, that's true. Then that's good to know that. That's good to hear. I heard LinkedIn's coming back too and LinkedIn's like the jam right now. So, oh, no, <laughs> Which is <I> so weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like um, I listened to this podcast, Matt Workman, he does a cinema, cinematography database and he was he did this whole thing about like, how LinkedIn is this jam now. It's really interesting. Yeah. It's like, it's so weird to see where things shift and move and how they progress and like what things matter and what they don't. It's like you use like a template, like for your website. Right. I remember like having to make websites. It sucks, dude. Like I used, yeah. I ended up using uh, like cargo collective in the beginning. Now Squarespace is like really awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The last website we Same. made was a WordPress one. Cause it's like, just use a template and augment it. Who cares? It's like, yeah. <laughs> kill me now. Like I hate web design <laughs> stuff. Like it drives me nuts. But are you using um, Squarespace now, or did you move to uh, WordPress? Yeah, we moved to WordPress. My friend Adam Brewer had designed and helped me make. Well, I designed them, but he helped m- engineer them. I guess is the word. In the past, mm-hmm. like three sites before that, or four. I don't know. We've been doing it for, and then I was like wanted to change it again uh, as I do like every six to 12 months, which I'm so stupid because it's a giant <laughs> kick in the ass. A like, lot of to change your website. Oh, it's such a pain in the butt and you got to go through and like, I remember having to go through and resize all the images up to 2560, yeah. which just was horrible. <laughs> and then, but yeah, we used a uh, WordPress. I found this like nice template of WordPress and I was like, cool, let's use this. And then Zach helped me out and we just kind of went through it and augmented it to when it needed. But I primarily just wanted, and you're probably going to get there with yours as well. It's like you have all the images, but then you're, you have all these motion pieces and it's almost like you want to put the motion. So if somebody wants to just glance at your site, they can just look at that reel basically of work. And I think yeah. that's been more or less effective for me. So, yeah, but I don't know. Have you had, better luck with like gifts and stuff so yeah gifts are getting better and stronger because you can make them faster and easier and photoshop is pretty awesome for making gifts now which is cool right because um, you just drop like you can drop like an mp4 right into photoshop and then cut it like you would in premiere and can you can export as a gif which is 
super, super right. easy. Yeah. Um, and you just keep the size down as best as possible. Like it's kind of sucks because you have to keep the size down be like below two megabytes, which is a very short or small composed GIF. But yeah, I noticed, um, and Bradley just recently, uh, Gmonk just did his new site and it looks spectacular and he's got tons of, God, that guy's got s- such a body of work. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I know. Such a body of <laughs> yeah. work. It's crazy. New, new website looks great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I Bradley. think it's, yeah, yeah, it's he, he slayed it, it's, and 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 we always bitch to one another when we do it because um, we know how much how much work it takes to make it um, a new site. But it's such a yeah. it's kind of important though, and it's like a relevant thing to do it. But yeah, yeah, I feel like um, Squarespace is great, but it has some. Uh, I mean, the, the templates all the templates come with some limitations that you have to yeah uh, work with basically, and. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll try WordPress next or something else. I think yeah. uh, Bradley's using uh, Cargo. Oh, he's using Cargo, huh? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's cool that Cargo's still like around then because I used it like a long time ago. But it's I, I love his site. It's great. I think it looks great, and it carries a lot of like it's very strong because it carries so much text and it's really clean. But it's got a lot of gifs and stuff. So yeah, smart. there's a great balance of uh, images and typography. Yeah, he's great at that. Yeah, Brattles. Brad, <laughs> Brattles. He's got so much work, though. It's like the endless scroll. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Going back like 20 years or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got <clears throat> everything that he's done on here. But um, yeah, that's, I don't know. I was just curious about like what your thoughts are on it. Because we've talked a little bit about sites and stuff, too. And I was going to do the Squarespace thing. Um, I think the only thing that deterred me from it is just as I found the the way that I saw my site working and the, the web, the WordPress thing. So but I mean, it's all very similar and it's just how you represent yourself and stuff too. So yep, yep. what's next for you? What, what are you, what are you wanting to focus on for 2018? What's your, what's your big goals and you know, what, what do you got on your plate? Um, again, I'm not really sure. No big goals um, or anything, but I, I do have, um, I'm working with my, one of my favorite studios, um, Elastic for the first time. So the goal for the next month and a half is to, or a month is to just, um, do a really good job with them and, and get out a really good project. And, uh, I think I have, um, one or two possible upcoming projects that sound really cool and exciting. So, um, you know, staying tuned for those and staying available for those. And, uh, but, um, otherwise it's kind of up in the air 2018. Um, so, but also we left to make another, um, trip somewhere. Where you want um, to go? You just got back from Japan. Yeah, um, I'm not you. sure actually. I've, I've I was scrolling on Google Maps and like looking go at different places. <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to do that, and I I will. Like I'm not. I don't feel done with Japan whatsoever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did my first trip there uh, recently, and it was just like scratching the surface of Tokyo and Kyoto. Yeah. Um, so amazing, so cool. Um, so especially Kyoto, like really. Uh, blew me away so it's beautiful a, it's, i think it's an amazing place for a designer artist too yeah. yeah yeah it's like beautiful in any time of year and it's it's so like clean and 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 safe and i don't know it's like you don't have to worry about stupid shit you know yeah i hate that like when i when i go to new york it's like i don't know it's it's, it's a it's a rad city but you gotta watch out you know 
Yeah. <laughs> or even San Francisco, you're just like, you got to watch out for the crazy ass homeless people. It's like, damn it. It's such a hindrance to like me just being able to like look at things, you know, <laughs> like, get yeah, out I of mean, here. Don't, don't try to, you know, take my money or something. <laughs> you know? exactly. like, I mean, in Japan, like, you don't have to worry about that at all. Really. You just, you can exist and be polite and keep to yourself and you're, you're okay. Yeah. It's like normal city stuff. They have to worry about in a normal city, but that those things don't really exist as much in Japan yeah. for some reason. It's a social norm, I think, and it's like yeah. a society kind of thing, which is really cool. Yeah. I wish other cities would adopt that. I mean, I don't know. It's just so lame. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it's not like there. It's not like the problem is people. It's not it. It's not like the overpopulation is the error. It's not that. It's like a social right. conundrum. I think that happens. So. Yeah. Yeah. If, if overpopulation was the thing, then Japan would be the most crime-ridden place on earth, I guess, right? Yeah, J- Japan and, and China. Yeah. Yeah. China. Yeah. Yeah. Both of those. And there, then then you see the total difference between those two. I need to go to China too. Have you considered going to China? You're probably super yeah, I would love there to, too. I would love to check out Hong Kong or um, Singapore and all those places. I've I've not been to Asia. Like Japan was my first um, Asia trip. Oh, cool. Yeah. Or even like Thailand or like. I heard uh, Saigon is incredible, like Vietnam and stuff. Yeah. And I love Vietnamese food too, so definitely. Yeah, definitely. But you have any other spots in your mind where you want to go or is maybe back to Asia somewhere? Um, yeah, I would love to. Yeah, back to Asia. I, I'm kind of, I love, I do prefer like slightly colder climates. I'm not like too drawn to, um, you know, the humidity of, of Vietnam or India like that, even though I would love to go to those places too. But like, yeah. Um, slightly more, I love just going to like more mountainous areas, like, um, places in Europe or, um, I haven't, I've barely been to Canada. So in Canada has like insane nature. So I would love, love yeah. to go there as well. Um, you know, I've been to Iceland a couple of times and that was amazing. You're not like walking around sweating, but in, but you have these amazing, insane landscapes in front of you. Super picturesque. Uh, it's kind yeah. of like, it's like over, it's like the hot kid in photography realm though. I feel like, you know. So, it is yeah yeah it's, i mean it's a hot like it's, it's so hot for tourism as well so it's very expensive there too i heard it is yeah it's you know european kind of prices but even more so i heard iceland i heard it was like crazy like it was like ten dollars for like a, a drink or something like that uh i can't remember like, how i heard food is like astronomically expensive there but yeah, that, uh, probably some things are definitely more expensive because they probably have to import a lot of a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's so um, cold up there. But yeah, it's definitely. I mean, still worth super worth going there. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I'm still haven't made up my mind where to go, so yeah. we'll see. I just I'm made excited. it recently, so I'm excited to see the photos you capture and stuff. It's gonna be rad. Likewise, I mean, you're going to Japan soon. Yeah, baby. It's 15 yeah. days with the girls, so yeah. I try to travel as much as I can now, especially with photography. It's just like. Yeah, I look at my sky. It's like San Diego is amazing to live, but it's like there's no mood here. <laughs> right. It's like happy mood. Like I, I, I don't mind that, but I want to like shoot some crazy drama, you know. So it's like yeah, it's <laughs> always <so> <laughs> like so happy, picturesque here. I'm like, ah, give me some drama here, you know. So right, <laughs> yeah, some contrast, please, something, you know. So no, nah, but there's always something to bitch about. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you still take amazing photos and and. San Diego and that area you live in. Thank you. I try. Uh, it's all it's, it's all about finding finding yes. what you have, right? Like yes. and really looking. <clears throat> and looking is is that's the key and being able to see it and capture it. So yeah. yeah. Well I'm um, looking forward to seeing what you do with it then. Um yeah, man. 
Yeah, likewise. Dude, thank you so much. This happened. This goes, time flies by so fast on the podcast. It's already been two hours. You don't even know it. So. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it is crazy. And I feel like we just scratched the surface on a lot of things. So we'll have to have you definitely come back and we'll have to chat about it. Maybe we'll do like a, a project together and we'll talk about it or something in here and do like a special po- project podcast love sesh. Cosa podcast love sesh. That's what we'll call the title. <laughs> super down with that. So, <laughs> Some oils, get the oils, the candles out. It's going to be great. Yep. yep. <laughs> awesome, dude. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And it's really cool to know a bit more about your journey and what you've been up to and where things are going and stuff too. So yeah, I'm just super yeah. excited. And yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. Have an amazing evening in New York city to take some photographs and uh, we'll talk later then. And there we have it, everyone. Big thank yous to Toros for coming on the show and sharing his time with us this week. You can find links to the show notes for this week's episode at thecollectorpodcast.com slash 180, along with links to our Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes podcast page. Have an amazing day, everybody. Go out there, be powerful, be prolific. Peace out, everyone. <laughs>